Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From the pages of The New Yorker, this is the weekly comment podcast. In House Cleaning, Jelani Cobb writes about how the House is taking on America's voting rights problem. The crisis of democracy that has attended Donald Trump's presidency has visibly manifested itself in challenges to the free press, the judiciary, and the intelligence agencies. But among its more corrosive effects has been the corruption of basic mathematics. Since the 2016 election, Trump has periodically rage-tweeted about an alleged three million non-citizens whose ballots delivered the popular vote majority to Hillary Clinton. His fulminations were a fanciful extension of the Republican Party's concern, despite all evidence to the contrary that American elections are riddled with voter fraud. The math does, however, support a different number, one that truthfully points to how American democracy is being undermined. Nearly 2 million fewer African Americans voted in the 2016 election than did in 2012. That decline can be attributed in part to the fact that it was the first election since 2008 in which Barack Obama was not on the ballot, and in part to an ambivalence toward Clinton among certain black communities. Civil rights groups and members of the Congressional Black Caucus point to another factor as well. 2016 was the first presidential election since the Shelby County v. Holder Supreme Court decision, which eviscerated sections of the Voting Rights Act. Suppressive tactics, some old, some new, ensued. Among them, voter roll purges, discriminatory voter ID rules, fewer polling places and voting machines, and reductions in early voting periods. After an election in which some 2 million Americans went missing, the administration concluded that 3 million too many had shown up at the polls. The equation here is reality minus delusion equals 3 million. Last week, with these events in mind, a hearing on H.R. 1, the For the People Act, took place in the House of Representatives. Elijah Cummings, Democrat of Maryland, the new chair of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, referred to the bill in his opening remarks as one of the boldest reform packages to be considered in the history of this body. He added, This sweeping legislation will clean up corruption in the government, fight secret money in politics, and make it easier for American citizens across this great country to vote. That statement was not partisan hyperbole. The bill is a broad, imaginative, and ambitious set of responses to the most pressing challenges facing American democracy, many of which preceded the 2016 election, but almost all of which were brought into sharper focus by it. Implicit in the choice to take up an electoral reform bill as the first act of the new Democratic majority in the House was the decision to confront not only these injustices, but more fundamentally, the forces that have allowed them to come into existence. The bill contains provisions to ensure access to paper ballots in order to verify the accuracy of voting results, to establish early voting in all states for federal elections, and to launch independent redistricting commissions to address the problem of partisan gerrymandering. A federal matching system for small-dollar political contributions would serve as a counterbalance to the sums that wealthy individuals and corporations pour into spending for political elections. Presidential and vice-presidential candidates would be required to release their tax returns. 
The bill also includes provisions for mandating transparency in digital ad spending, strengthening disclosure policies regarding foreign gifts to officeholders, and strictly enforcing the Foreign Agents Registration Act. A section focusing on voting rights is of particular interest. The Supreme Court's ruling in Shelby essentially held that the Voting Rights Act was outmoded. Relying on presumptions about racism, especially in southern states, which didn't reflect the progress that had been made since 1965 when the bill was signed. The court, however, left open the possibility that Congress might bring it in line with more recent circumstances, if warranted. H.R. 1 could spur the creation of new formulas for determining which states should be subject to federal oversight. It might, for example, be possible to take into account recent voter suppression efforts in Ohio, Wisconsin, North Dakota, and other states, thereby expanding the reach of the act. For those progressives who were wary of what Democrats would do with their new majority in the House, H.R. 1 is as reassuring a start as anyone could have hoped for. But the civic fervor behind it has not been entirely welcomed on Capitol Hill. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, denounced H.R. 1 as a power grab that's smelling more and more like exactly what it is. Setting aside the question of what a power grab smells like, McConnell's outrage was striking, even in a period as cynical as this one. Taking aim at a provision that would make Election Day a day off for federal employees, with the idea that private companies would follow suit for their employees, McConnell said, just what America needs, another paid holiday then predicted that federal employees would use the time to volunteer for Democratic campaigns. It's not uncommon for a single bill to encompass such a wide range of concerns. But the concerns presented in H.R. 1 point to another unanswered question. For the past 20 months, public attention has been focused on the special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into possible Russian interference in the 2016 election. Intelligence agencies, media outlets, and independent researchers have consistently pointed to Russian intentions to sway the electorate in Trump's favor. Possible motivations for these efforts, from belated score settling for the Cold War to alleviating sanctions, aren't hard to discern, but we've seldom asked about American motivations in creating the conditions that facilitated such meddling. Russian attempts to influence American voters, including ad purchases on social media intended to foment racial division, coexisted with and benefited from domestic attempts to discourage people from casting a vote. American democracy is threatened by a hydra of vulnerabilities, most of them of our own making, but none of them beyond the notice of our adversaries. H.R. 1 is the most cogent corrective to these matters which we have yet seen. The calculations around it will most certainly be partisan, but it is the best hope for ending the corrosive practices that subtract citizens from the electorate. That was House Cleaning by Jelani Cobb from the New Yorker magazine's double issue for February 18th and 25th, 2019. Narrated by Jamie Rennell. Also in the magazine this week, Jeffrey Tubin on the Mueller investigation, Michael Shulman on Heidi Schreck, Adam Entis and Ronan Farrow on the business of information warfare, Ian Frazier on the woman who makes sure that the Oklahoma oil wells run, Donald Antrim on a suicide averted, Joan Acachella on New York City ballet in the wake of its sex scandals. 
Jill Lepore on the socialism of Eugene V. Debs, Alex Ross on the early music movement, Anthony Lane on Everybody Knows, and the Lego Movie 2, fiction by Leila Slimani, and more. Audible.com produces a weekly audio edition of The New Yorker. To subscribe or to download individual issues, we invite you to go to www.audible.com and enter New Yorker in the search box. To subscribe to the comment podcast, go to www.newyorker.com or to the New Yorker room on the iTunes store.